0: In this episode of the Church Security Roll Call, we're going to be discussing lessons learned from a church shooting. Stay tuned. Hi, this is Chris with the Sheepdog Church Security Academy, and this is your Church Security Roll Call. Today we're going to be discussing the article, the 2013 St. James the Just Church Shooting. If you'd like to read that article, go to our website, SheepdogChurchSecurity.net and look under the News tab. So let's begin in the Bible as we always do. This verse is Exodus 21, verse 15, and it reads like this. And he that smiteth his father or his mother shall surely be put to death. Good verse for us today because that's exactly what happened in this church shooting. It was... uh, somebody trying to kill their father-in-law. So before we continue, I'd like to take a moment and really encourage you to share this video with other people on your team, staff, and volunteers. And as we get through the lessons learned, you're going to really understand why it's so important to share. All right, so let's get into the story. This It was June 16, 2013, at the St. James the Just Catholic Church in Utah. It was the Father's Day Mass um, at the time. Late in the service, not long before the communion, a man in his mid-30s walked in with his wife. The priest saw them under um, enter and thought it was strange that they would enter at this point in the Mass. The man had um, been to Mass only a few times. Uh, they walked over to behind her father, um, who was sitting in the back pew. The wife gasped as her husband pulled out a handgun, aimed it at her father's head. He began to turn his head as the trigger was pulled. The bullet went through his right ear and out the cheek, missing the brain. The gun then pointed. He, he, he then pointed the gun at his mother-in-law, um, but the move was interrupted. The sound of the blast startled the three hundred persons in attendance. Parents pushed their children under pews. Other. Older siblings shoved younger ones under. Uh, parents held, ro- um, held rosaries and prayed for whoever was shot for the family's safety and to keep children calm. The two fathers, who just happened to be a U.S. Marine and a, U- um, and a U.S. Air Force Airman, dashed towards the shooter. The Marine up the aisle and the airmen over the pews. The shooter thought, the whole crowd is a-coming for me. Um, He turned and fled while his weeping wife knelt down by her wounded father. The two servicemen chased the shooter out of the church to the nearby house. Um, There the shooter barged in as the owner just came out of the shower brandishing the gun. He demanded and got the keys to a pickup truck. Exiting the house, the assailant jumped into the truck and drove off. He headed north, intending to go to Idaho. On Interstate 84, the truck ran out of fuel north of Birmingham City. On Monday, he was spotted and arrested, I'm assuming along that interstate. All right, so a little bit about the shooter. The shooter had a long criminal record. Since 1996, when he turned 18, he had been charged with several felonies. Among the charges were burglary, receiving stolen property, criminal trespass, attempted witness tampering, and theft. He pled guilty to some of the charges and no contest to the others. Um, in his, um, his history included drug and alcohol use. In 1917, uh, in a 1917 parole hearing, he said that before the shooting, he had been staying awake on methamphetamine for seven days at, at the time. Mental illness was considered an issue in the shooting, the shooter claimed to be hearing voices and the prosecutor for his trial claimed that he w- it was a result of the drug use. And then studies have shown that certain drug use, including marijuana, PCP, can cause mental illness. Um, we don't know how he met his wife, but be, um, there was domestic abuse in their history and strained relationships with her family. The abuse um, included threats to kill her parents if she left him. The parents knew of the threats and bought guns to the, defend themselves. Although he could not legally have a firearm, he illegally atta- obtained one. Um, his wife apparently did not know that he had a gun when they went to church on Father's Day. Um, okay. Afterwards, um, the shooter's father-in-law survived and recovered from his wound. The damage to his jaw had to be surgically repaired and he needed speech therapy. Um, For a while, he had to communicate by writing. Currently, he works as a project manager. The shooter was charged with attempted murder and felonious assault with a deadly weapon. His bail was originally set at $105 million. That's that's high. Um, But it was revoked by the judge because of um, his failed uh, murder attempt. And the judge was concerned he'd try to finish the job. Um, The suspect was psychologically evaluated and found competent to stand trial. He admitted to firing the gun, but he said he thought he missed. He pled guilty, um, but mentally ill. His hope was to spend the rest of his time in a mental institution instead of prison. He was found guilty and sentenced to four years to life, the longest term for attempted murder, um, with the recommendation for life. The reason was that considering his mental state, drug use, and record, he would always be a threat to society. According to the Utah Department of Corrections, the shooter is still an inmate of Utah's state correctional facility. The release date is listed as N.A. as unavailable or non-applicable, which is in accordance with the sentence and the judicial recommendation. A uh, parole hearing was held after four years of the sentence had um, was served. The father-in-law testified that he did not know his son-in-law had entered, and when he heard the explosion, he did not realize he had been shot, which is a common reaction for gunshot victims. The convict said he did not hear voices anymore since he had been off drugs while in prison. The patrol board denied parole and determined that the next parole hearing would not be until 2038, another 21 years. At issue was whether he considered the trauma inflicted on others. Another reason for extending the time is that uh, many inmates with drug history returned to using drugs after being released. Security details at the church are kept confidential, um, but clearly awareness has increased. The priest said he now takes notes when somebody enters late in the service And wondering why. Uh, Roman Catholic churches in this country are now training greeters and ushers in security and safety. Um, If they had been on watch in 2013, they might have paid special attention to two latecomers on Father's Day. All right. Lessons learned. So um, Wesley did a really good job in the article laying down a lot of great basics of lessons learned things that definitely you should look at, share it with your team, discuss, get the download that we're we're back to offering downloads again. So get in there, get that download. It's a good cheat sheet to help you kind of continue on the conversation with people at your church. What I want to focus on, though, is the disconnect. I don't want to call it denial, though you could use the word denial. But the disconnect between a threat a danger, a risk, versus us taking action, when we take action. There's a disconnect between those two things. And what I want to bring up again is something that we went through really fast, but this. There was no tension between the two members of the parish, the mother-in-law and father-in-law, with their son-in-law. The couple was aware of the spoken threats against their lives and armed themselves for defense though they were not armed at church. And, and what I want to talk about is there is that disconnect. Um, so I'm going to go into my childhood here a little bit. So when I was a kid growing up, our doors up to the house were unlocked. They were constantly unlocked. Even the car sitting in the parking lot was also unlocked. And that's just the way it was. However... When we would go into town or we would go, you know, to the, to the mall or whatever, stuff like that, it was like, hey, don't forget to lock the doors. We need to make sure we lock the doors here. So because we were going into the cities, because we we're going into a higher populated area, we thought, okay, we better take these additional steps. But does, but does that mean that thieves can't strike when you're at home or when you're at the locally, local grocery store? No, of course not. We know that those risks exist everywhere. And so we always have to have, be prepared, but we have that kind of disconnect. The same thing happened, you know, just to give you a personal story, another personal story, is the first time I heard of church security, I had eight years of law enforcement under my belt. I certainly worked enough crimes and seen enough badness in the world to know better. But when I heard somebody talking about starting a safety team, a security team, at church, I thought, that's ridiculous. Why do we need that? And, of course, I came around to understand. But I guess that's ultimately what I'm talking about. First, for you, let me first talk to this, the sheepdogs out there. Do you have any disconnect that occurs that maybe when you go to church or you're going to the mall or you're going to the cities or, or whatever... You know, you have your, you know, if you're concealed carry, you're carrying a weapon. You're prepared for that kind of, you know, for the increased likelihood of something bad happening. But at the same time, when you're just running up to the local grocery store or the gas station to pick up a gallon of milk or whatnot, you don't bother to carry at all. Do you have that kind of disconnect? Do you have somewhere that you go, and it's just a question that only you can answer, Now, some of the times when there's that disconnect, and I know a lot of police officers who do not carry when they're off duty. Once again, it's this disconnect. They understand all the dangers in the world out there. They spend their day working with victims of violent crimes and different kinds of crimes. And yet, somehow, there's a disconnect that occurs. Now, one of the reasons that the disconnect can occur is really because of laziness. And so I'm going to show you my daily carry to talk about how we might address that disconnect. Now, before I show you what I da- daily carry, I'm going to kind of give you a, a warning here. I know that um, there's a lot of safety people out there. Firearm safety is extremely important. I'm not an instructor in firearm safety, but I am going to be handling these weapons that are not safe, and, uh, but I'm going to, handle them in a way to increase my level of safety. I'm now, right now, in my house alone. Um, And the way I handle these weapons, the worst case scenario is I would shoot a bullet into the floor, into the basement, where there is nobody. Okay, so the first thing I want to show you for my daily carry is this. So this is the the sidearm that I carry. It's a SIG P35. Good weapon nine millimeter but you can see this is a larger rig right so there's an inside the waistband holster Um, i like it it's good but anyway i carry that i also carry extra magazines right so you can see real quickly you know even with a nice loose shirt polo shirt you know i it's it's starting to add up right where I have things that are care I, I'm carrying. This is a big rig, and it takes time. And sometimes, if I'm just running five minutes, it literally takes me five minutes to get to the local grocery store and gas station. Um, you know, it's, do I really want to put on this full rig? So then, for my laziness factor, a little pocket handgun and an extra mag just in case. I, I'm kind of part of this school of thought. You can't have too many bullets, too many rounds with you. And so this can easily slide into my pocket. Now, I know a lot of you out there right now are like, you really a pocket gun? Are you stupid? Um, yeah, maybe. But you know what this is? This is better than nothing. And if I'm not going to take the time to put on all this because it's just going to be five minutes up the road, 10 minutes in the store and five minutes back, you know, at least I've addressed, I guess, is what I'm ultimately getting at. I've addressed my laziness. <clears throat> also, too, for, for, for you that care, and I forgot it to bring it up, I always carry a knife. I mean, simple as that. Always carry a knife. I also carry defensive spray. And it's not the best solution, but um, it's good to have a less lethal option uh, just in case. But I guess my point is this. For you, the sheepdog, Really, honestly ask yourself, is there any blind spots that you have? Anywhere you go, anything you do, where you're not prepared for the potential for for violence? And then plug that hole in, because these things do happen. The other thing is this, and this might be even a more important thing and a more challenging uh, situation, is we have to be able to intelligently speak to people in our congregation, people in our lives about identifying risks and taking reasonable steps to prevent something bad from happening. So I've talked to a number of people and they're like, you know what, I would never carry a a firearm. Awesome. I never wanna force somebody to carry a firearm. If they don't think they're capable or they don't want to or for whatever reason, I never pressure them to carry a firearm. But I will ask them this, though. Have you considered carrying defensive spray? You know, and carrying it wherever you go all the time. Make it part of your key ring. Whatever you have to do. You know, but carry some sort of defensive weapon. And then, you know, and and basically just introducing them to the idea. Now, you don't want to throw a bunch of statistics at them and a bunch of horror stories. We don't want to use fear to motivate people. But we want them to start thinking about the threats and the risks that are out there and how they can start to solve some of those things. You know, a good example, uh, I finished my law enforcement career in a very small town. And kind of the same thing, people leave their car doors unlocked. People leave their garage doors open all night long. And then, occasionally, teenagers and or general criminals will go car shopping And open up a bunch of car doors that are unlocked. They'll steal money and they'll steal, uh, you know, whatever they can, you know, radar detectors and all that kind of stuff. They steal what they can. And we'll have one night where 20, 30 cars were hit. Or it'll be somebody who's had their lawnmower, their snowblower stolen out of their garage. And it was like the door was open all night long. The garage door was just open. And know it's even scarier than that. I often find that the door going into the house was also unlocked all night long. So that bad guy who stole that mower could have easily just walked into the house. And what we do, sheepdogs, welcome to the party, we have to start asking people to take those little steps to help them not become a victim to a crime. We have to do it at the church. We have to do it to those volunteers we're talking to, the ushers, the greeters, the the worship service, the pastors, all that kind of stuff, and start to move them in our direction. And if we can get them to do that, and we're doing that, then we're going to reduce crime for the people in our church and people in our inner circle or circle of influence, whatever you want to call it. So there you go. Definitely check out Wesley's article. He's got several things here. He, he's got a whole process set up, um, you know, being open to shared threats. We've talked about that a million times. Be aware of situations that might generate threats. Assess all threats you receive or which are you are informed of. Um, get needed help. Ensure reliable communication. Guard the gate. Guard persons at risk. Be aware of anything unusual or out of place. Be ready to respond. It's great stuff. Jump in the article. Definitely check that out. Other than that, you know, we offer training that covers a lot of this stuff. A lot of it. And it really can take you, a sheepdog, to the next level. I've had many law enforcement officers, some of them still active law enforcement, security personnel, Homeland Security, all kinds of people, doctor. I had doctors going through my course. And they all come back with a positive review. And the reason they come back with it is this, is it's not necessarily that they learned something they had never heard about before, but rather what it did is it focused it in on houses of worship, how things are actually done in a house of worship, but also adult educator or adult educators will tell you that adult students typically only need to be reminded of things to get it fresh in their brain. This is something that we provide. If you're a professional out there and you have not gone through our training, I'm going to urge you to get certified with us. You are not going to, you're not going to say this is the worst thing I ever did or this was worthless of my time. I've never had anyone come back with that stuff. It's always been, wow, it refocuses and it reminded me of some things I hadn't thought about in a long time. So please, get certified. Consider getting your whole team certified, your church staff trained, because as I've said a million times, is having a trained safety team, fully trained safety team, that's ready to respond to emergency situations is great. A trained safety team that is supported by trained staff and volunteers from other ministries is exceptional. That's where you take it to the next level. So let me just say, get certified. Next, if you like this program, please like, comment, share. Um, It lets the computers know that you care. If you listen on podcasts, I would love if you would jump into iTunes or whatever platform you use and give some sort of rating. You know, hopefully it's a five-star rating or a thumbs up or something, because once again, it does the same thing for iTunes. If you give me a good review, other people are going to see it, and iTunes is going to recommend this program to other people that are like you. So please do that. Other than that, thank you so much for joining us this week, and hey, let's be careful out there.